0: Hi, this is Jeff, and I'm the pastor of Word of Life Miami here in Miami, Oklahoma, and this is our podcast. I'm glad you've chosen today to listen to our podcast, to tune into what God is doing here. I hope this encourages you. I hope it enriches your life. I hope it causes you to draw even closer to Jesus. Enjoy. Worshiping because our lifestyle should be that of worship. Oh, Did you see what I did there? Worship is something that is beyond words, or song I should say. Worship is something that is an everyday aspect, an every moment encounter, an every second breath and action upon our being. And we're in this series on worship because I wanted to set a standard through teaching and preaching whereby we get an understanding in this place why we spend so much time in this place, but why I spend so much time talking about the encounters with God that we should be having outside of the corporate encounter. And I can't help but imagine in my mindset the flame that we should be emitting from our daily personal devotion. Excuse me. I can't help... Is this too loud? Am I good? Okay. I can't help but imagine the flame that should be upon our being. I, I like the idea of... as. Believers, and I'm not talking about people that say we are Christians because there are a butt ton of a bunch of people out there that say they believe in God or say that they are Christians, that there's absolutely no fruit upon their lives as a matter of fact they're turning more people away from the gospel of Jesus Christ than they're turning people towards the gospel of Jesus Christ they're doing more damage for the cause of Christ than they are doing good for the cause of Christ that I think that if we would truly find ourselves in a position of devotion unto the one in whom we say we love and adore that there would be a flame emitted from our being that people would be attracted to much like a moth to a light not that I'm calling anybody that doesn't believe in Christ a moth or an insect or anything but what I'm saying is as we get into a place of encounter and devotion with God it affects our lives in such a positive and profound way that this flame becomes seen noticed and people want to be part of that and so that's what's happening away from this place And can you imagine when we come together and all of our flames ignite corporately? Can you imagine the encounters with God that we could have together because of the mass encounters with God that we're having on our own? Can you imagine the significance of the move of God that would happen here in northeastern Oklahoma because of the significance of the encounters of God that are happening in your prayer closets, in your bedrooms, in your showers, in your bathrooms, wherever it is that you find a place to encounter God, whether it's driving down the road, whether it's kneeling at the foot of your bed, Whether it's cooking in the kitchen, can you imagine the encounters of God that could happen when we conglomerately, if I can use that word, ineffectively come together corporately, as I use that word, more effectively and ignite together and bring our flames together into the powerful exchange called corporate worship. So we've got this series that we've put together because if we are not people that burn with passion and worship for our God, then I'm not interested in being Word of Life, Miami. If we can't get worship down, I'm not interested in coming together. I'll just pack up and go somewhere else. And I'm not saying that as a spanking to say we don't have it because I don't know that we'll ever fully get there. This isn't a, a corrective word. This is more of a word to get us excited about the exchange that we can have with God. So... Let me recap a couple of things. Week one in worship, we commented or we talked about the fact that we are priests. And I'm not talking about the clerical caller priest that is the only one that can make access for man to the presence of God. But we are priests in the order of uh, that we can offer on our own worship or sacrifice unto God. And the powerful thing about that, I'm glad that lid is on, the powerful thing about that kind of encounter with God is as we offer to Him, then He in turn pours blessing upon us. And we discovered in that week that God is not looking for worship. He's looking for worshipers. What a powerful understanding As we look at a perspective change in that thing. And then last week we looked at ways in which the word praise breaks down. In seven seven different expressions from spontaneous to the eruptive type of praise. And we did that today. And today I'm going to talk about worship as one that is a faith Building worship. Faith building worship. Am I the only one in the room today that sometimes struggles with faith? The doubt sneaks in occasionally. We begin to question, why on earth am I even doing this? Why am I here? Why do I even, can I even call God God? Do I even believe in Him? If he's such a good God as we've sung about today, then why am I in the midst of a fire, a struggle, a trial? Why do people accuse me? Why am I going through this crap? I like the way Jeremy Riddle, who's one of my favorite worship leaders straight out of Bethel, I do, and I'm not afraid to admit, have a little bit of a man crush on this guy. He defines worship this way. Worship is any thought, action, or deed that brings pleasure to God when it is done unto Him. Now there are things that I can do that bring pleasure to Him, but it is only worship when it's done unto Him. You follow that? So the more we know God, think about this in the context of just being a Christian and, and someone that is out to serve to God. The more we know God, the more we should then know what moves God or moves His heart. The more we know God, the more we would know what He likes. And therefore, the sweeter the offering we can bring to Him. That's why we get together In this setting. That's why we should read the Bible and pray. And that's why we should have our personal times of devotion. It's not to get smarter. It's not to be able to quote more scripture. It's to be able to know God more intimately. In order to offer Him a more pleasing gift in worship. That's it. That's the sole purpose. It's not to be a greater scholar. It's to be a greater lover. In the presence of God. Knowing what God's like is critical to knowing how to worship. That brings me back to the definition that Jeremy Riddle has about worship any thought, action, or deed that brings pleasure to God. And so I should. Need to know what it is that brings pleasure to God. You know, in the corporate world and in the just whatever world we're in, even in our relationships, is it safe to say that we're going about life trying to understand people? Think about all these tests, the disc test, or the color test, or whatever. There's so many things out there. Are you this way? Are you that way? And if I understand that you're this and I'm that, then this is how I relate to you better. And so we've got that, or we've got the love languages. There's touch, there's words of affirmation, there's this and there's that. And we, we strive to know these things about other people. And, and, and then there's this move that says, it, who cares what other people are like you need to know what you're like so that your needs can be met what about our spouse our girlfriend the kids that are around us our own kids how aware are we of how they need to be loved and want to be loved. I think we've gone out of our way to know those things, to know how those that are in our lives, especially the ones that we say we love, need to be loved. Let me take it a step further. How aware are we of how God loves to be loved? Now, the good news today is I'm gonna give you that answer. Believe it or not, I believe I have a single word, simple directive answer on telling you how God wants to be loved or how he needs to be loved. Is it safe to say in this place that God has needs? I, I, I don't know that I have that full answer, but I do, I can, I can preface it with this. God created man for relationship with him, period. So in that understanding, then maybe it is safe to say that God has needs, wants, and desires. And God needs and wants and desires something from you. God's love language is this. Are you ready? Faith. He wants you to believe that he can do something that has not yet been seen or manifested in your life. Stephen Furtick says that the opposite of faith, we've said this many times, that the opposite of faith is doubt. Stephen Furtick says it so much better. The opposite of faith is manifestation. So we have faith to believe for something, it appears in our lives and therefore it's no longer faith because faith says that it's something, faith is that, putting something out there to believe that God can do something that hasn't yet been done in our lives. And once it's been done in our life, we no longer need faith for it. I had faith that God would bring us a worship leader. Do I need faith for us to have a worship leader now? I need faith that our worship leader is going to stay, right? No, we don't need faith for a worship leader. Did you come into this place and see somebody other than myself lead worship today? So we don't need faith for a worship leader. I now have faith out there that God would give us a building that we can call our own to allow the kids to have a place to call their own space so the adults can have our own space separate from the kids. Amen. And we have parents that are holding on, knowing that I'll come back next week and put up with this, knowing that one day we're going to have a place for our kids, right? So faith is this understanding that God is one day going to provide something that has not yet been manifested. Now that can be in, in a physical expression called building, finances, resources. That can be in relationship. It can also be something that it might not be outwardly expressed called something in our inner being, some kind of encounter that we want with God. There is always something that should be present in our lives that we are pursuing God to do that has not yet been fulfilled in our lives. And that is called Faith. And when we're pursuing God to do something like that, that is not yet tangible, that will one day be tangible, we are speaking His love language. And we do that all the time and effectively in worship. So when we're singing, You're a good, good father, but the circumstances around me say everything around me sucks, but You're a good, good father. But I can't make rent. But you're a good, good father. But, but you don't understand the relationships in my life. But you're a good, good father. But you don't understand my health is just not where it needs to be. But you're a good, good father. But you don't understand emotionally I'm a wreck. But you're a good, good father. And all of a sudden, I am singing his love language. And can you imagine how that must move the heart of God to intervene in your life, to do the opposite? of faith and bring manifestation into your life because God doesn't want to leave us in a place of unanswered prayer, in a place of unfulfilled faith. He wants to reverse the faith and make manifestation in your life and that comes through worship and when we worship God and faith becomes manifestation then we are built up and we believe that God can do the impossible in our lives. And when we believe God can do the impossible, then we begin to have faith for even greater victories and greater things. You know, I was driving from Joplin to uh, back here to uh, where Miami. Where are we? Back to Miami. When Alana called me from Houston, Texas, and she said, I believe God's called me to move up here to be your worship leader. I didn't ask her to be my worship leader. She was very crazy to call me and tell me what she was going to do Wondering, am I even going to say yes? And it wasn't five seconds after I hung up the phone when God thundered in my spirit. And he said, if I can do that, will I not do the building too? And I'm going to tell you, it takes more faith to believe God for a building right now than it does to believe for a worship leader. Because, I hate to tell you, Alana, I can do this without you. Not near as good. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, I, for those that haven't been around in a little while, there's a different dynamic without me leading worship, and it's better, in my opinion. But if God can do that, he says, I promised you two things this year. One was a worship leader, and the other is a building. And, I, and, and so I've, I've stepped out of faith and into manifestation here. I now have faith and a greater belief that God can do for the later and when God does that what's he going to do next what else can I believe can I, can I actually believe that God can kick the tail end of meth addiction in this area can I actually believe that God can turn the financial situation of this area around can I believe that he can bring in resource and he can bring in all kinds of prosperity and goodness to this area well he's done the one why wouldn't he do the other Does God leave me hanging on one thing and not do the other? The Bible says that all of God's promises are yes and amen to the glory of God. Why wouldn't he do it all? The Bible says that he is the author and the perfecter. That word perfecter means completer. He completes. He's the author and the perfecter of my faith. So He's always working things out to get me to the next level and to the next place of manifestation in my life. Oh, I'm never going to get to my notes. None of that was in my notes. Boy, is it good. Amen? Let's go to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11.1. None of this scripture is going to be on the screen today, so you're going to have to actually look it up. Hebrews 11. Whew. The author opens this scripture with now, faith is the assurance. Listen to these words, these strong words, the assurance of things hoped for. I believe with all of my heart in Jesus' name that today there was somebody that walked in this door, is tuning in online either today. Or in a later time, we'll be listening to the podcast where hope is being restored just as these words have been spoken. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. For by it, what is it? Faith. For by faith, the people of old, they received their commendation by faith. We understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commended him by accepting his gift, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Check this out. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And... He was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Now, we just read he pleased God. Why? Verse 5 opens with by faith. So we understand where Enoch was having pleased God by faith. Verse 6 says, and without this faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Do You see the full circle of how this scripture just said, probably in a better way than I could have ever said it, what I've just been saying. It's this full circle. He rewards those who seek him. And how do we seek him? By faith. And when we seek Him by faith, what are we doing? We're speaking His language, His love language. What does this have to do with worship? Well, faith becomes central to worship because in worship, it's our desire to please Him, period. And without it, we aren't pleasing Him. Skip a book. Skip to the next book in James chapter 2. James in verse 14 in chapter 2 says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? So it's one thing for me to talk about faith and believe God, but it's another thing for us to put action to it. It's another thing to show that we're believing God for something. Can that faith, talking about faith without works, save him? Verse 15 says, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is death or is dead. This idea that I can have faith in God, I can believe that He can provide, and I can have resource. And if you come to me and you need something, and I say, go, be warm, do well, and send you away, my faith is dead. But if I can take my faith and help you out by putting action to what I believe for you, then all of a sudden there's some form of action that proves that I have faith. Verse 18 says, But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. One of the practical things that I'm going to show you my faith for a building by my works is the fact that I'm looking at buildings. I had professional plans drawn up for a building that we cannot afford. But God can. I had professional plans drawn up for a building not only can we not afford, but is way too big for us. Look at the room. The auditorium that I was going to look at was bigger than this. Eh, It's about this size, but we weren't going to have kids jumping around in here. It was just just going to be auditorium. It wasn't going to be lobby and coffee bar and storage and game room and you know what I'm saying but it's necessary to put action to faith but check this out you believe that God is one you do well <laughs> even the demons believe so you mean it's not enough to believe if belief was enough to stand on its own, then the demons would be going to heaven and not destined for hell for eternity. So, belief is not enough. Says the demons, they still shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? You see, the very nature of what Abraham did by offering his son Isaac came from a belief that God would provide. He spoke God's language of love called faith, and in so doing, he was then called a friend of God. If I remember right, there were two lines in the song we just sang referring to God as father and a friend. And some of us may not know what it's like to have God as a father but by faith he will show us what it is to be a perfect father. And some of us can relate to him as friend, but I'm telling you he is the most faithful friend that will never leave us. So if I've just talked about faith is God's language but faith has to have action, then in context of worship, biblical faith has to have a physical expression. That means biblical faith tied to worship has to have a physical expression. Worship has to be seen. There's a physical aspect. I almost wish I'd have preached this message last week and last week's message following this one. Because last week's message was all about the things that we do in worship. Here's an interesting comment. If you want to know what you believe, this is a good test personally. If you want to know what you believe, look at what you're doing. What do I believe? Well, look at what you're doing. I believe this food will taste good. I believe this food won't taste good. Well, I'm not eating crappy food. Okay, that's a pretty simple analogy, right? I I I believe just think about it. Well, let me let me let me let me get spiritual again, because I don't want to stay that. Let's talk about some things that we believe about God. We believe that He's outrageously good. He's exceedingly great. He's beautiful, wonderful, counselor, all, I said all right, God, but he's almighty God. Love. Auto-correct. He's the everlasting Father. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the all-consuming fire. He's Alpha Omega, beginning, end. He's the bright and morning star. He's the Father to the fatherless, defender of the poor, King of kings, Lord of lords, merciful, kind, humble, forgiving, faithful. And the list could go on and on and on and on. And those are the things that we say we believe, but do you really? Because I just said the statements. If you want to know what you believe... Look at what you're doing or how you're acting or what you're saying or how you're responding. And if we believe this short list of the longer list of what God is, I would believe that we would be responding differently to Him. We might get a little crazy. As a matter of fact, there's this guy in the Old Testament by the name of King David that responded so profoundly to the belief and faith of who God was that he got a little crazy in the presence of God that his clothes fell off. Now, I'm not suggesting that this become a Christian strip club at all. I'm not saying that we're going to strip down and dance before the Lord. I'm out, right? I'm not. That's not what I'm asking. But what I'm saying is if we... I've got to do this. If we believed these things about God, I think we would get a little crazy in the presence of God. And that doesn't start here. I'll never forget... I was cleaning a house. I, about years ago, I used to do final construction cleanup, and it was Aaron's house, who he used to be with us all the time running sound. They had built a house, and, and I was doing the final cleanup. Their house sat up kind of on a hill in a new neighborhood, and it was the first one on the street. There was a couple homes scattered around, but not many, and their homes stuck out like a sore thumb. And I'll never forget, I was in that house cleaning away, and I always had music in the room, and if you can imagine knowing me, some of you well enough to know what kind of music was probably playing in the room, worship music, had the kind of stuff we sang today only it was 15 years ago, so it was a little older, and up on a hill, lights on, it's probably 10 or 11 o'clock at night, no window treatments, I did not strip down like David, okay, But what happened is the presence of God. I got so in love with God in that moment that I couldn't help what was happening. And I put down my cleaning supplies and I began to dance before the presence of God in that place. And I imagine it was the most hideous looking dancing you've ever seen. I mean, today I tried to jump a little bit and I was like, okay, three jumps and I was out of breath. I, I, I was looking at the live stream from Friday night. We had a night of worship over in Bentonville. That Alana and I, Alana led worship, and I joined in, and, and we were singing "Ain't No Grave Gonna Hold This Body Down." And I tried to jump and play my guitar, and I lost rhythm altogether. Which I'm a white guy. I'm a white guy. I might be a drummer, but I'm a white guy, and I don't have much rhythm. But listen, I was. I'll never forget sitting, or standing in this living room up on a hill in a well lit house, dancing before the Lord. With a revelation of who he is. Because in this moment, I was doing something, responding to what I believed. I believed that he was an outrageously good father. That he was exceedingly great. He was beautiful, wonderful counselor, almighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, all-consuming. And the list goes on and on. My question would be this. What does faith look like on a person? What does faith look like on a room when that room together collectively, corporately, in unison, steps into faith as it physically responds to the truth? But I know... We're pretty real people in this place and oftentimes something gets in the way. What gets in the way of faith? Fear. Fear gets in the way of faith. You see I'm afraid of what if the what ifs happen. What if God doesn't? What if what if I look like an idiot? What if someone judges me? What if someone thinks that I am? But ultimately, my goal for everyone in this room, and again on the live stream and listening to the podcast, is that freedom would overcome fear. And that freedom would be our prominent outward sign of faith. And for everyone listening today, I want to give you all permission, if I can, with the authority that God has given me, I want to give you permission to respond and to step out in faith with freedom. Children have no problem with it. Pull out a bucket of ice cream. And watch how crazy they get. They are crazy more in love with ice cream than most of us are with the presence of God. They're uninhibited. uninhibited. They're not ashamed or afraid of what anyone else thinks of them. I imagine there were a bunch of grown men and women last night at a monster truck rally acting crazier for monster trucks than any of us would ever act for Jesus. Go to a sporting event. What is a normal way to respond to the goodness that is ice cream? What is the normal way to respond to the goodness that is God? Listen, I've got a few more notes. Can I, can I, can I go just a tad bit longer? Can I, can I give you some biblical circumstances where faith is built? Let's just, would, you, would you agree that some of us just need our... I've talked about faith, but maybe our faith needs to be built up a little bit. Can I give you just three or four stories? And I won't expand on them. I'll save these for another expansion and give you some greater in-depth discussion about these stories. But can I just give you three or four stories where faith is built through worship? Because that's ultimately where we want to get. Listen, if you're struggling with your faith, here's where we go to worship. Because it's in worship. Worship. That we encounter the presence of God that builds our faith. It's this cycle that we encounter because it's impossible to please God without faith, but He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. So if I get into His presence, He can begin to work in me that which pleases Him. Isn't that cool? See, He's already built in the whole process to make us pleasers. And it's not my responsibility. All I have to do is yield to what He wants to do. And he does it all through worship. Week one, I opened with the things that we've learned about worship, or about God, we've learned through worship. The things that we've learned about the healing nature of God, we've learned through worship. The things we've learned about the prophetic, we've learned through worship. So why don't we learn the things we need to learn about faith through worship? The first one I want to talk about is Paul and Silas. You see, they've they've been in a situation where they've been thrown into prison. And in Acts 16, 25, just two short verses, it says about midnight, verse 25, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. I love that. Help me resist the urge to expand on this stuff. I'm just going to read the stories for time's sake, but oh, I could preach an hour and a half message on that right there. Verse 26 says, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prisons were shaking and Immediately, everybody in this room, say immediately. All the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Listen, freedom is found when we begin to worship. Worship, we find freedom. So we worship for freedom. You feel bound up. And I don't mean because you're lactose, you have some lactose problems. I know, I know how to ruin that moment, don't I? You You find struggles. You find chains binding you. The best place to find freedom is to worship. Oh, I want to spend more time on that one. Let's go to the next one. Joshua and Jericho. See, Joshua's come to a city that's highly fortified. Walls built high, thick. Thick enough that houses were in the walls. That that's, gives you a visual, right? And God calls Joshua, well, let's just read it. Joshua chapter 6, verse 6. It says, so Joshua, the son of Nun, not like N o n e, but the place of Nun, called the priests and said to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant and seven priests and bear seven trumpets of Rams before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, go forward, march around the city and let the armed men pass before the Ark of the Lord. And just as Joshua had commanded the people and the seven priests Bearing the seven trumps is the lamb ram's horn before the Lord. When before blowing the trumpets with the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord followed them. I love that. And the Lord followed them in obedience. That's just another message right there. In obedience, the Lord is there. Anyway, moving on. The armed men were walking before the priests who were blowing their trumpets, and the rear guard was walking after the Ark while the trumpets blew continually. But Joshua commanded the people, You shall not shout or make your voice heard. Neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout. Then you shall shout. So he caused the Ark of the Lord to circle the city, going about it once. And they came to the camp and they spent the night in the camp. And the Joshua rose in the early and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. And the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of the ram's horns before the ark of the Lord walked on. And they blew the trumpets continually. And the armed men were walking before them. And the rear guard was walking after the ark of the Lord. And all the trumpets blew cont- continually. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did this for six days. On the seventh day. Everybody say seventh. It's a good thing they didn't stop on six. It would get rough. That's important to understand that. On the seventh day, they rose early at the dawn of the day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And on the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you this city. And the city and all that was within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab, the prostitute, there's a story about that. And all who are with her in her house shall live because she hid the messengers who were sent. That leads me to this one. Worship for perseverance. Worship for perseverance. Oftentimes our faith is wavering because we just are about to give up. Because we're about to stop on the sixth time around. And God saying to you today, come on, we're almost there. The seventh time is coming worship for perseverance then I think of uh, three guys by the name of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and they they were not falsely accused, they refused to bow to an idol and Nebuchadnezzar the king throws them into a fiery furnace that is so hot that even the guards that throw them in are consumed by the fire Let's skip ahead. Verse 22 of Daniel chapter 3 says, Because the king's order was urgent, the furnace overheated. The flame of the fire killed those men who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the three men, uh, Rakshak and Beni, fell bound to the furnace, or f- fell bound into the burning fiery furnace. And the king, then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast Three men into the fire? Answered to the king, that's true. And he answered and he said, but I see four unbound. They went in bound, three. I see four unbound men walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like the son of God's. The Nebuchadnezzar came near the door of the burning fiery furnace and he declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out and come here then Shadrach Meshach and Abednego came to them from the fire and the satraps and per- prefects and the governors and the king's counselors and ge- uh, counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not any power over the bodies of those men listen to this the hair of their heads was not singed their cloaks were not harmed and no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, "Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants." By the way, that man that was in there, that fourth one, is believed by most scholars to be Jesus, the pre-incarnate the Jesus. The Jesus that was with God when it said, "Let us make man in our image," going all the way back to the second, I believe it's Genesis chapter 2 or chapter 3, "Let us make man in our image." Jesus was there from the very beginning. Jesus was with God from the beginning. He will be with God until the end, which is no beginning and no end to God. The Bible says I'm the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He always was. He always will be. Jesus is part of the Trinity. He is just as much God as God is God, just as much God as the Holy Spirit is God. Jesus is there. Jesus is with them. And I'm here to tell you that my next thing is to worship to maintain your convictions. You see, they they would not bow to other idols. They would not bow to other gods. They worshiped the one and true God, and they met Jesus face to face as they worshiped to maintain their convictions. And the last one I'm going to tell you is Jesus calms the storm. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 35, it says, On the day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking in the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep in the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, did you not care that we are perishing? And he woke and rebuked the wind and said, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said, No, said to one another, who then is this that even the winds and the seas obey him? The significance is found in verse thirty-four. Check this out. Verse thirty-five. It opens with, "Let us go across to the other side." And then in Matthew, or I'm sorry, Mark chapter five, just come, continuing on in the story. It says, "They came to the other side." You see, we've got to worship to stay focused. Worship when the storm seems bigger than the calling. Worship when the storm seems bigger than the destination. You see, Jesus said, get in the boat to go to the other side. Why would what he has commanded us to do be affected by the storms that rage around us. And it's in our worshiping that we discover that Jesus is the one that brings peace in the midst of the storm. And we've got to also understand that Jesus has always got the bigger picture. And when he says go to the other side, there's something awaiting us on the other side that needs some kind of an encounter, some kind of an intervention. And when Jesus got to the other side, check this out in verse 1 of Mark chapter 5, they came to the other side of the sea to the country through the Gennes, uh, Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately they met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. And Jesus goes through this whole thing of casting out this demon of this man that no other person could deal with. And this man is completely healed, completely restored. And it ends with this. And he did not, uh, Jesus says, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And this man went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. And check this out. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side. You see, the storm came. They had to cross in the boat for one man. All of them had to go through a storm to make a difference for one person And then they got in the boat and they went right back to the other side. And it said a great crowd gathered around him and he was beside the sea. Perseverance. We've got to worship to stay focused. When we worship, it builds our faith to persevere, to stay the course. In worshiping, we can stay and we can say, as this song we're about to sing says, there's another in the fire standing next to me There's another in the waters holding back the seas. And should I ever need reminding what power sets me free, there's a grave that holds no body. And now that power lives in me. (laughs) Well, I sure hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. If it has blessed you, please click the subscribe, leave some feedback. Uh, Should you want to contribute towards this ministry and all that we're doing in northeastern Oklahoma, feel free to go to our website, wlmiami.com. That's w-l-m-i-a-m-i dot com. Click on the Give tab, and it'll walk you through some steps right there. God bless you, and until next time.